You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So if you're just joining us for the first time over the last several weeks, we've been talking in a series entitled The DNA of Relationships. As you can see on the screen, it's a nice graphic that depicts uh, some, some things in our bodies that work together. Would everybody agree that in school we learned about DNA? Deoxyribonucleic acid, something like that. I don't remember if that's right or not, but it sounded good, so we'll go with it. Anyway, we learned about that, and so we're today continuing that series. But just like our body has DNA to tell us who we belong to, our family, our structure, our history, some of those things they can tell with the DNA, uh, our relationships can determine our spiritual DNA, and we can tell our health by our relationships that we have. Would anybody agree with that today? Absolutely. So all kinds of things. But before we get started today, you guys know that I like to start with a little funny story. I'm going to move this just slightly out of the way. I like to start with a little something funny. And I heard about this. uh, I heard about this, uh, this little girl. And um, she was sitting on her grandfather's lap one day and she noticed how wrinkled his face was. And she contemplated the difference between hers and his. And she said, Granddaddy, did God make you? He said, yes, a long time ago. She said, well, did God make me? He said, yes, God made you just a little while ago. She thought for a moment and said, Granddaddy, God's getting better, isn't he? (laughs) Now, just because we're talking about relationships, i got a second one to share. Everybody say, oh, boy. Now, we're talking about relationships. I heard about this husband and wife. They'd been arguing. And now they were giving each other the silent treatment. Anybody ever been there? Come on, somebody. Let's preach today, right? Let's get an amen. The man had to catch a flight early the next day, and he needed his wife to wake him up at 5 in the morning. Now, I don't know about you guys, but some of us have trouble rolling out of the bed, me being one of them. And sometimes my wife has saved my rear end a time or two by getting me up. I don't know about y'all. But... Not wanting to break the silence, he wrote a note. And he put it on her side of the bed and said, please make me wake me up at 5. Well, the next morning he got up at 8. He had missed his flight and his alarm. He was so upset, he went in to ask her why she didn't wake him up. And he noticed a piece of paper on his side of the bed that said, get up, it's 5. <laughs> so with joy and the blessings of relationships come challenges come opportunities for conflict, and comes opportunities for great happiness and restoration. And, you know, today we get to talk in the last part of this series uh, about broken relationships. But because we are all flawed, would everybody agree we all have flaws? Yeah, we all have some issues we have to work on, but because we are all flawed to some degree, we we will have challenges. It's not, what are we going to, or it's a matter of when. Uh, We're going to have some challenges. But as Christians, we have a responsibility before God to what? Restore broken relationships. Now, we can't force others to reconcile, right? We can't force anybody else. But we ourselves have to make a move. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Make every effort to what? Live at peace with all men. And that's sometimes a challenge, especially in our today's culture. You know, you may see some things that blatantly offend you. I mean... Can anybody agree to that? There might be some things to offend you, but the Bible tells us that we're supposed to try, if everything in our power, to live at peace with one another. 
You see, strife can interfere with our relationship and it can affect every area of our lives. But it, there is hope. And everybody say hope. hope. There is hope to restore broken relationships. Turn your Bibles today to Romans chapter 12. We'll jump right in. We're going to be going through verse 17 to 21. If you don't have a Bible, we have it on the screen for you to read along with us. And we just invite you to uh, participate. We read in the New International Version here, Romans chapter 12. And it says this, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that a great verse? Overcome evil with good. We hear stories all the time in movies and things about good versus evil. And most of the time, good wins, right? Most of the time in those movies, or either they leave you hanging and you don't know what happens. I don't like those kinds of movies. I like an ending. And that's what beginning, middle, and end. That's what it should be, right? I'm sorry. That's a soapbox. That's why I don't go to movies. Um, anyway, but we've got these things, overcoming evil, but overcome evil good. I remember in the news a couple of years ago, I don't know if you recall, but there was a, an incident at Chick-fil-A, you know, where they were protesting. There was a certain group that was protesting, and they were there, and they were in front of most of the Chick-fil-A's and whatever. So Chick-fil-A decided to respond with good. So what did Chick-fil-A do? They fed them. They brought them drink. They, and what does the Bible just say here? If your enemy is hungry... And that's just what came to my mind right then when I read that. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he, he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And what happens when you do that? You're, you're throwing what the Bible says, hot coals on top of their head. Because it really cools off the relationship. But there are five quick points today about steps we can take to restore broken relationships. And then I get to break from the sermon. And I'm going to share a little bit of my heart with you with the time we have remaining. But today there's a few steps we're going to talk about uh, in restoring relationship. And the first is this. Talk to God before talking to the person. Anybody ever think that's a good, good idea? Have you ever noticed if you're really mad and you start praying, your madness level, if that's a word, goes down. Your anger starts to subside. When you f focus on God and what he's done and what he's redeemed you from, man, that level just keeps going down. Because when we focus on God, prayer has a way of diffusing anger and bad words before they happen. In fact, there's a lot of people who don't even, uh, maybe it was Alan Martha, I can't remember. Uh, they're not here today, but he was telling me about how they handle some conflict. And they're such a sweet couple. They've been married 62 years, and we had dinner with them this week. It was fantastic. Uh, plus, she's a good cook, so that helps. So I imagine you know, if you cook that good, arguments are kind of like. But there's some steps we have to take necessary, right? The first thing we ought to do is consult the Lord, consult God. Has your mouth ever got you in trouble? No, nobody? Not yet. Bernie, burn. Maybe one. Just, just what? Was that yesterday? Has your mouth ever got you in trouble? Of course it has. Mine, mine too, right? And so the, the issue is we have to talk to God before we go confront somebody. We might say something we regret. Have you ever said something you regret? Right. And so we all deal with this. 
And this is something that we deal with. So the first thing we need to do is just seek his guidance and then after that receive his healing. So the first point is this, talk to God before talking to the person. That's important. Two is this, always take the initiative to seek restoration. Hard one. Sometimes you've got to take a piece of humble pie, eat it, and go somebody and apologize, right? Sometimes that stinks, right? Sometimes that's not easy to do. Romans twelve eighteen. if it is what? Possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Matthew 5, chapter 23, uh, verse 23 says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What is that saying to us today? Well, to me it says this when I read this. God wants your offering, absolutely. God wants your worship and your praise. But if you've got an issue with someone else, guess what? It takes a priority. Why? Because it can hinder your worship. It can hinder your praise. It can hinder your relationship with the Lord. I've seen that firsthand. It can hinder it. So true restoration requires the participation of both parties, right? Both people in order to receive restoration. Now, this could be friendships. This could be you know, children and parents. This could be husband and wife. This could be you know, just friends, whatever it could be. Uh, it might be people in church. Look, I've seen some pretty uh, hefty grudges in church before. And I've also seen it divide a church, and I've also seen it hinder worship. And I know we're not there, but I've seen it, and it is not nice. And people start saying things that are not nice, and then guess what? God is limited in what he can do through people. And so it's always easier to go and take initiative, even if you're in the right. Even if you're in the right, right? What was that shirt? Um, Somebody told me about yesterday. I can't remember. It was something about I'm always right on the shirt, and if I'm wrong, it's just because I'm right. There's something. It was something weird like that. But no matter what, this person on this shirt, huh? That's what it was. He, you told me. See? I'm always right even when I'm wrong. Yeah, that was on a shirt. Sounds like a shirt I need to get. All right. <laughs> so true restoration requires initiative. Point number three is this. Don't repay wrong with wrong, but choose to give grace and mercy. It's hard to, hard to do, easy to say. Romans twelve seventeen. do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. It's easier to get even, wouldn't you say? It's easier to get what you want out of the, uh, how do you say, the confrontation it's easier to win. That's all we're about as a culture. We need to win, right? Winning is everything in relationships and arguments, right? Not true. Not all the time. Winning is not the most important. Reconciliation is the most important, whether we're right or whether we're wrong. And so don't repay wrong with wrong, but choose to give grace and mercy. Because how many know it takes a little bit more? How about a lot more? Maturity and grace and self-control to give grace and mercy rather than to get even or rather than to hold a grudge, right? That's much easier to hold a grudge, right? It's much easier to get even and repay evil with evil. But it takes much more maturity. And I, I have to go back to Jesus on the cross because the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Now, if that isn't the perfect example of relationships not repaying evil for evil, I don't really know what is. Because Jesus says, greater love has no one than this for he that lay down his life for his friends. And so God showed us great mercy in that while we were still sinners, while we were still deserved evil, he gave us mercy and grace. Point number four is this. Humbly take responsibility for your part in the conflict. So not only do you have to initiate some reconciliation, but you have to humble yourself sometimes, right? Is that hard? Yeah. Humble yourself and take responsibility for your part. Matthew 7, 5. I love this verse. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus was talking about judging others and removing things from your own personal viewpoint before you can deal with everybody else. So we also have to take care of ourselves. How many know that if we're unhealthy in ourselves, we can't have a truly restored relationship? Sometimes we need God to work in us first. We need God to restore our heart. So maybe you need that prayer today. And point number five is this. Attack the problem, not the person. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a fire, a temper fire is what the, uh, what the translation says there. Attack the problem, not the person. How many know that most of the time when we deal with conflict, it's not really about the person? It's normally about a somewhat unresolved issue within ourselves, or something we thought about that person that was actually incorrect. They didn't really mean it that way. It wasn't intended that way or something like that or, or any of a mix of those things. But in the situation where we are in a conflict, it's much easier to attack the person and make them feel bad about themselves than to fix the problem. How many know if we fix problems a lot more in America, we'd be in a whole lot different state than if we blame people? I see it in the news all the time. We're blaming a person. We're blaming this person and that person and this person. Yeah, they got some faults, right? But the real issue is a heart condition that we need Jesus. The real issue is that we need to come to a point where we can give a general response, just like the Bible says, where we can attack the problem, not the person, and we can move forward in fixing and healing things. Because how many know relationships don't accidentally stay healthy? It's not just something that happens accidentally. They require ongoing investment and a willingness to address the challenges. So today as we, we wrap up our series on relationships, we've talked about parenting. How, how many joys of that is there? There's a lot of joys. There's also some struggles, right? Matt Walsh says it's the easiest thing to have an opinion about, but the hardest thing to do. Right? So we've talked about parenting. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about community. And today we, we focus on broken relationships. But how many know that God has a power of healing and restoration that is above and beyond our human understanding. That's the good news. The good news is if you have a broken relationship, God can do supernatural things that only He can do. And I know in a church like this, there's some people that are affected by broken relationships. I may have a few too. And guess what? That's all right. It doesn't make you a less of a person to have a broken relationship. It actually signifies that you need God's omnipotent power to restore and to help you. And it does me too. Because it gives me great 
um, peace to know that in God's word, he tells us we're going to have trouble, but that he's overcome the world. So I'll close today with some final thoughts. Maybe you've remembered some of the things that I've said over the last three years. Maybe you haven't. But one, of the, one or two things that really stuck with me over the last couple of years is this. Hopefully I can you know, close sufficiently with just a few minutes we have remaining. But I'm very excited about where grace is headed. Grace stays. I mean, grace is a whole yes, I'm excited too. But more so where I was planted the last three years. When I came on my first Sunday, I thought, what in the world? Being honest, you did too. Touche. This is what friends will do for you. Broken relationships. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll talk after service. I think you need to humbly, uh, humbly accept your part in the uh, conflict. Anyway, really, when I walked in to the gym, I didn't ever go, or excuse me, the auditorium. We were at the Statesville High School. I didn't ever walk in from the front. Huh? Yeah, high school. Auditorium. Same thing. Eh, tomato, tomato, okay? But when I walked in, I didn't ever walk in from the front. I walked in from the stage, from the back. That's kind of where I brought, brought in. And I walked out, and I'm like, wow, we're going to have a 1,000 people in this place. Because literally there's 1,200 chairs in there. And I'm like, whoa, what have I? And then people started coming in. And you know what I noticed? These people love the Lord. These people love Jesus. These people were hurting. These people needed something that only God can give. So we, three months later, we moved to the upper room. And that was cool for a little while. It was cool because we got a place that we were kind of closer together. And we, we grew with one another. We, we formed relationships with one another. We grew from 40 people at the high school. And then in January this year, we averaged about 80. So in two years, we've almost doubled the growth of, of the church, which is great. And not me. We've had a lot of people working together. Um, but now we're here. And last Sunday, I don't know if many of you knew it, we had 115 people here last Sunday. And that is something to be thankful for. Not because of any person or a place or a building. How many of you know the building won't grow your church? It won't. However, it will equip you to do ministry more effectively. And what I've seen is the last two places we've been, the children have been in a place that has been in almost a basement-like environment with less than stellar facilities to keep the nursery and bathrooms and things like that. Hey, look, I know it might not make sense to a lot of you, but for parents, I've had parents tell me they would not come back to the upper room because there's no facilities down there for their children to use. They have to go through the service. It's embarrassing. Many of you might not understand that, but let me tell you something. This is awesome. I don't know if you've had a chance to walk over there. Pastor Kate has done an awesome, outstanding job designing those rooms, and they look incredible. And this is why I'm excited. Because God has given us this place to use. Let's not waste it. Let's use it. Let's go forward and bring people in. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's share the gospel in Statesville. Let's impact families. And when they bring their kids, man, they can be proud of something that's awesome as this. So again, we have moved here a beautiful place that many of you have invested in financially and in effort. Some of you have stayed out till 10 in the, in the evening with me, 7 in the morning to 10 in the evening. We've had a couple of days like that, probably more than a couple. 
But we have a place to call home, a place to grow, a place to tell people, a place for our kids to feel safe and comfortable. One of the quotes that I've said often in my time here is this, even a dead fish can go with the flood. And I truly believe that it's powerful because if you think about it, in our lives, we can talk about it with relationships, we can just float along. We can do the thing, right? We can just go through life. We can just float on and, and get our time done, pay our tithes, come to church, and whatever. Watch it grow, watch it don't grow, whatever we want to do. But it's the, it's the fish that swims upstream. That's what we have the challenge to do is, is to swim upstream. And for the past three years, I've been a privilege to be a part of this church. I feel like we've been swimming upstream. And I think that's a great thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. We've been climbing, and we're still climbing, and we're still going. And I believe Sam, when he comes in next week, is going to have a great setup to lead this place and to lead you and your families into a more even engaging culture with the Statesville community. Look, I've had people that live right over here, three blocks, say, when y'all come to church uh, here, I'm going to start coming to your church. Guess what? I'm messaging them. Hey, you told me you'd come. You told me you'd be here. There's people excited about what God is doing at Grace Covenant States. Well, I'm excited, and I hope you are. Last week, man, when, when Bernie walked in, he tells a story yesterday. He came in on Wednesday, and he said, wow, there's about three weeks worth of work to be done. I'm not sure if we're going to be here on Sunday. Literally, out of his mouth, right? He said, I'm not sure. Then he come back Thursday night. He said, wow, looks like we're going to have church Sunday. <laughs> because of you because of investments from you and your families in this place. It's going to be a great place to worship. It's going to be a great place for children to be developed. High school and middle school, we're going to have programs for them. we got to develop that. And look, we're going to see people come to Jesus. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see children come back. We're going to see all kinds of great things. Why? Because He is awesome. He is on the throne. And He has ordained this. And we got to get on board with what God's doing. we got to get on board this train. And I like this as the first in 1 Corinthians. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You see, what we need is the whole church. Now, what does the whole church mean? Men, women, children, right? The whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. That's what we need here in Statesville. Statesville needs a real Jesus. They need people to go in the marketplace. They need people to go in the store. They need people to go in the restaurants and show people a real, genuine, authentic faith that models what the gospel teaches. They need people who, if they sense through the Holy Spirit that they have a need financially, they bless them on the spot with no questions asked. God spoke to me like that before. They, they can go to a place of business, a restaurant, and notice somebody needs healing and pray for them. And boom, they have faith and they're healed. I see that for states. Man, there's some powerful people in this room. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So our children need to understand about the gospel of Jesus to states. Our young adults need to understand that. And our adults too. The whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole city and the whole community and the whole state and the nation. We can really change this community. We can really change the world. So I'd say this. Recently I've uh, been blessed by several of you who have helped with this building. So I would say this. Don't stop serving. 
Don't stop serving. Those of you who have served, don't stop. This, this community needs you. This church needs you. Please continue. I know one family that spent over 80 hours in this building working with me. Incredible. They devote their time and energy and resources. Many of you have too. Don't stop giving. Your generosity has made way for us to be in this building in the first place. Your time, your energy, your efforts. The, the next thing is that support the new guy. He's going to need it. it. It's a bit awkward for a first couple months to get accustomed to everything, wouldn't you say? It's, 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 when many of you like uh, met me, you're like, uh, Eddie likes to say, I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to be okay. <laughs> he, said, he said, brother, when I heard you preach that first time, it was kind of rough. I'm like, really? And then he says, man, I'm going to miss you, friend. <laughs> I love you, brother. But anyway, he's walking into a better situation than we walked into three years ago. It's healthier. It's in a building. Man, Jesus is moving. I'm just, I can't wait to come back in September and see where God's taking this place in three short months. Because God's about to launch this place. Y'all ain't going to be able to stay in here long. Sam's already talking about it. He said, man, I feel something good about to happen. I'm like, yes, it is. You don't even know. It's coming. So support the new guy. Carry the gospel forward in the city of Statesville. That's the biggest one of all. Jesus gave us the biggest challenge in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. What does it say? It says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How I many you know that God is with us? God is with you. He's faithful to this congregation. He kept it going. And not only kept it going, but He's done better than that. He's blessed it. And His hand is upon it. And if we just release control and let Him take control, there would be no wall in this whole city that would be able to contain it. we got to get out of the way. And we got to promote the gospel of Jesus favorite verse in all the Bible is this. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, He gives life to your mortal bodies. And I'm going to paraphrase. What else is there to stop you? If the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, what is stopping us from overtaking this city with the gospel of Christ? And the answer... Jesus has given us great power and great tools. Then lastly, I'm going to close with what I'll be doing. Sweating. (laughs) I'll be running a lot. Y'all going to need to pray for Fat Boy to be able to run. I'll be bringing the gospel of Christ to the troops. That's where my calling is for now for such a time as this and somebody else is going to come in here and bring the gospel to you and you're going to bring the gospel to the community but what I'll be responsible for is bringing the gospel to the troops typically I'll be responsible for anywhere between 500 and 1,000 troops Um, the average chaplain in 2009 when the conflicts kind of ramped down was between 1,500 and sorry 1,200 1,500 troops per uh, soldier per active duty chaplain but now with things again a little bit uh, better and then we got several spread out throughout the, the land we have active duty chaplains now that are 1500 so 
I'll be starting out at battalion, I guess, level. Somebody can correct me later, but I don't know where it is. Battalion or brigade, I don't know which one's smaller, but 500 to 1,000 troops uh, that I'll be responsible for counseling and marriage uh, relationships and um, all kinds of fun things, funerals, the, the not-so-fun part, death notifications, things that I'm going to really need some prayer for uh, because those are difficult things to do. Um, so God has to continue to work through me. And he's going to continue to work through you. And I'm faithful and confident of that. And I know that you're going to do awesome things in Statesville. This church has already left a footprint, but it's going to leave a crater. You know what I'm saying? It's already left a footprint. People kind of know you're here, but you're about to make a huge impact. And people are going to see that. And it's going to be bigger than a footprint. I believe that with all my heart. So what do we need? I need prayer. Our family's going to need prayer. And you're going to need prayer. So I will make this deal with you today. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. You pray for our family. I'm sure once we have our, our new baby, his name is going to be Judah. Uh, once we have our new baby, uh, they might come and visit after, you know, six or eight weeks or so when they get settled in. But uh, my family's still going to be a part of this, this church until we move. And so we, we really like it here. Even if we didn't work here, guess what? We're going to attend here. That's what we like about Grace is the Statesville campus, Judy's leadership that she's just come alive in in this worship. We're just excited for her and Pastor Kate. Some really awesome, genuine leaders. Look, if you ever want some Holy Spirit prayer, get Kate to pray for you. Seriously. She's got that old school Pentecostal fire. And I'm just saying, she prayed over this service last Sunday and the worship team, and it was incredible. And I'm like, whoa, that sounds like my grandma, you know. I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying that's powerful stuff, you know what I mean? Like, She's a great uh, leader in our campus. I know you are privileged to have a great staff. And, guys, I just believe that God is about to do the best thing he's ever done in Statesville. And I don't believe that it stops here. It can't. It's got to go forward. So work hard. Invest in your community. Invest in your leadership that comes in. Spend time with them. Take them out to lunch. Buy them a fancy new car. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You can buy it to me, though. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, we love you, and we are so privileged to be a part of this church and have been for the last three years. So I would say this. I want to have everybody stand together, and I'm going to pray over this church. Feel very strong that God is going to open up the floodgates of heaven over this place. And there's going to be souls saved, and there's going to be families coming to this place that don't know Jesus. I'm believing for great things. So, Father, today we commit this church to you. God, we know it's not about a building, it's not about this facility, but God, it's super awesome to be able to be here, and we are blessed and privileged to have this facility. God, we ask that right now we would just begin to move in our own hearts, God, that you would move and we would move towards you. God, that we would begin to humble ourselves before you and seek your face like we've never sought your face before. God, would we just turn and focus our attention on you and what you want to do in Statesville. And God, today I just proclaim that you're going to do great things in this place. 
God, that you're going to save souls. You're going to restore marriages. You're going to heal broken relationships. You're going to heal physical needs. You're going to heal financial needs. God, you're going to produce fruit out of this place because of people's faithfulness to you and because of your faithfulness to us, most important. So, God, today we just anoint this place. It's already been prayed over. It's already been anointed. But, God, we ask for a double portion of your spirit to land and rest on this place. God, provide the food, the spiritual manna that we need to God to grow and to bless others in states. God, we want to bless children. We want to instruct children in the way they ought to go. God, we want to tell them about Jesus and the miracles. God, we want them to know about the Bible stories. God, we want them to know about you and your faithfulness to your people. So, God, today we just ask that your blessing would be upon this church, upon each and every family. And that, God, you would draw everyone to you through this place and through the word that's going to go forth in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.